0: Welcome to the No-Till Farmer podcast, brought to you by Source by Sound Agriculture. I'm Michaela Pauchner, managing editor at No-Till Farmer. In part two of my conversation with Ryan Gibbs, an Iowa no-tiller and owner of Gibbs Field Ag, Ryan talks about the logistics of making and spraying compost extract, plus how he uses sap analysis and soil testing to make nutrient management decisions.
1: It's a pretty simple system. I got the water here. It's plumb to the pump. So it's just an auger system. A friend of mine built this and I'm actually just kind of testing it out and we are uh, finding out what works and doesn't work on it and just trying to make it more efficient. There's an auger in there that is turning this way, I'm bringing the compost this way. Inside that auger, there's a it's stainless steel, it's all stainless, but that auger has got jets on it that shoots the water out and washes that compost and the water actually comes through here through the center of that flighting on that auger and through them jets and washes the compost. The outside tube on that auger flighting is a steel mesh, a stainless steel mesh, and so what it does is we wash the compost and the liquid falls through that mesh and then into our tub and then the spent compost comes out the back, the finished product goes into there. And then from there I run it through a self-cleaning irrigation filter and into the tender trailer, the planter, sprayer, wherever it's going. This is the finished product. Like I said, it's mu- like muddy creek water, you know? Just muddy water. And like I said, we'll run that through another filter to filter it one last time before it goes to the, uh, out to the field. And then you can kind of see out that end where the spent compost is coming out. So our whole goal with this, yeah, we're just washing the fungi and the bacteria off of that. And you get a little bit of sand particles, wood chips, feeds out the back. And so we will actually take this, this isn't wasted. We will go throw this on our uh, wood chip pile out there. We'll just let it keep biodegrading, And uh, you know, we can reuse this stuff next year and add it to our Johnson Sue's and to our worm bay. And uh, you know, we'll reuse it, it'll get used up. So yeah, that's basically the process, turning the compost into a liquid form. And uh, if you were to just put like a dry compost out, it would take a dry compost, it'd take a couple thousand pounds per acre to get the equivalent of washing the compost and putting it into a liquid form in. My three-year-old son's down here, like, Dad, I'm getting wet, you know. And he loves it. I'll put a bucket here, and he'll fork stuff in. Yeah. He loves doing it. You know, it's nice part about it is it's safe to handle. You know, my my kids can be down here helping me with it. They're just playing in the dirt, you know. One of the bottlenecks with this is it takes a lot of time to do this stuff, and you know, to make the fertile, make the biological yourself, and filter it, and get it to the planter, and get it to the field, and When you're working one guy or two guys, it's a lot of work. It's It's not the the easy button. It makes farming fun. Like it's something different. I don't go to my co-op and be like, well, I pulled off 200 bushel corn. What do I need to grow crop again next year? Like I do all my own agronomy work and then make biological. and like, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's see what happens with this. And Don't get me wrong. We have a lot of learning experiences on the farm. Not everything is a success story. (laughs) <laughs> but it makes it fun like it's always something different and it's like god if we could make this how much can we cut back on this so like last year i cut back on nitrogen on certain spots this year at this point with the moisture i don't even think i'm gonna side dress i mean i put down 40 pounds of nitrogen with my planter and i've got manure out there so and it's been so dry that we've had roughly two tenths an inch of rain on this corn here since i planted it and i put 40 units right 40 pounds right next to the row you ever consider the liquefied urea yes if i do i think i'm gonna liquefy my own urea and i'm learning from a friend of mine michael vitito how to do that so basically you take a tank like that and with water in it and we will dump urea in it like which is what 42 percent nitrogen urea i think but we will liquefy the urea and basically we'll put put dry urea with water and then run a pump off the bottom into the top and recirculate it until it becomes completely liquefied. Okay. And the urea liquefied I believe is like 100% available nitrogen because of the form it's in. It's a lot closer to the form that you want. To. It's it's yeah, it's closer to the form you want that is plant available. Mm-hmm. So like if you put down 32% or 28% nitrogen side dress that nitrogen isn't 100% available like it's got to, sure. it's got to go through a process to become available to the plant whereas the urea is the most available like you spray it on the plant it's available i was told who was it tom robinson or was it michael vitito told me 1 pound of urea is equivalent to 7 pounds of like a 32 or 28% uh, it's 1 pound fuller applied Foliar, yes. Equivalent to seven pounds of nitrogen. Yep. So in the soil. Yes. So if you were gonna apply 50 pounds, you know, wide wrapping or whatever, you could get by with 50 divided by seven would be s- roughly seven pounds. You could get by with seven pounds of dry urea, liquefied foliar. So you get by with a lot less nitrogen because it's plant available and you can liquefy it yourself. It's a lot more affordable. It doesn't take near as much water. No. So you yeah. take it water. And John Kemp will tell you if you were going to side-dress nitrogen, use liquefied urea or uh, plant amino acids. He said yeah. because how much it dries the soil out by putting 32-28%. It actually pulls moisture from your soil. That well, nitrogen does. It takes more water too. Yep. To metabolize it. To metabolize it. So it says here... If you're concerned about drought stress on crops, you should only apply urea or amino acid nitrogen in season side dress. Ammonium or nitrate applied early can increase a crop's water requirement by upwards of 30%. I think I'm going to get one or two ton and just try a batch in here, but I'm going to pull plant uh, uh, soil test here at V5 and just see where the soil's at and then what my plant sap analysis says and we're applying by that. I think between my hog manure and putting a little bit up front, I don't need any more. As dry as we are, nothing's leached. And if it stays this dry, shit, I'm gonna have leftover for next year. And right now, according to my plant sap analysis, the only thing I'm short on is calcium. And I feel that not having the moisture to bring my gypsum into the ground might be part of that. Yeah. You know, and I tried to five gallon bucket everything around here before I go mix up a sprayer load. Just, you know, if it doesn't mix in the bucket then I don't wanna oh, mix God. up 700 gallons and have a mess. Yeah. I got one screen in the back of the sprayer. I think it's a 30, I believe. So, I put a 30 mesh screen in the back so it's bigger holes for the stuff to flow through. And then I put extend to max high volume tips on the sprayer. So, like, I can run 25, 30 gallons per acre with that. I'm running 15 at like 12 mile an hour across the field. I mean, I'll knock out 40 acres in like 15 minutes if I can stay in the seat. But it does settle out. Um, oh, so yeah. Yeah, they Bob Kirkwood ran five pounds of this per acre. He called me up and he's like, Sprayers plugged up tight. They pulled the filter off and it was solid. He goes, We spent three hours. We pulled every tip off, flushed the entire line out, blew all the tips. I'm like, Oh my God. That was Roundup and spray or top. And it made the Roundup pretty hot. Hells did. Uh huh. But we had to get it. I mean, the sprayer had to be empty and rinsed out and we got done at the end of the day. Really? It, it was. Calcified nozzles. See, and this stuff is heavy. Like, I'm running 20, 25 pounds of pressure is all I can get out of it. So it takes 10 PSI just to get it to spray. For her, I'll show you. Come over here where we can see it. So there are check valves on here. It takes 10 pounds of pressure to open that check valve for this to spray. But yeah, I've ran a couple thousand gallons through it already. No issues. Mix it with molasses and humic. So... But yeah, after talking to Bob about that, I'm like, yep, we better make some changes. Calcium. (laughs) Yeah, calcium is, and I've talked to a fair amount of guys that are like, be careful running calcium through your sprayer because you will plug stuff up and you will have a mess. It's nice having a group of people that we can communicate with. Yeah,
0: now someone else won't make that mistake. How often are you doing the sap analysis?
1: Probably every other week, depending on the growth stage of the crop. It all depends on the growth stage. So here's an example of a sap analysis. So, it basically tells me what the plant is low and high in. It'll tell us our, oh, so our old test and our new test, yeah. or the old leaves and the new leaves. Once that corn plant gets to be, you know, this tall, we're pulling new leaves and old leaves off that plant okay. and send them, putting them in separate bags. Then they will compare the nutrient level of the old versus the new to determine how well the plant's pulling up or what it's short in on the old versus the new. So... The new leaves might be high in nitrogen and the old leaves are low in nitrogen. Mm-hmm. So that means if you would have put nitrogen down or maybe it's becoming available, the new leaves are showing it. The old leaves are not showing it.
0: Sure.
1: So like in this, for example, our calcium levels are really low. Calcium's the driver of the other nutrients.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we're trying to get some calcium out there to make it work. Um, this is, these are my soybeans right behind here so the biggest thing that's concerning to me is the aluminum levels being high because aluminum is toxic so i don't know what that's from if that would be from chemical residue or from with the aluminum being high it might actually make these low so i know that humic and humate binds to heavy metals and helps to flush them out and to get them out so that's why i'm adding the humic acid too because let's get some organic matter and some humic out there. Maybe that will bring my aluminum level down. And if we bring the aluminum level down, that might bring the levels of these up. Mm-hmm. Cause something that is, if you are too high in something, it will tie up other nutrients. So if you can lower that, it'll bring them other ones up. Like I like to look at what I'm really low in and what I'm really high in. Wayne Volk will tell you, look at what you're high in because whatever you're high in, you need to bring that down to bring everything else up. Which he's not wrong, you know, it's like, I've heard of tests where they were high in nitrogen but they were low in potash and they're like we need to get potash out there they actually had too much nitrogen it was tying up the potash they had out there so it's like a balancing act.
0: Which acres are you doing the test on and how do you decide?
1: Corn and soybeans and I just pick a couple fields and my program is pretty much the same across all my fields so I'll pull a couple fields and then I'm actually going to pull a few more fields they were later planted so. The plants weren't big enough yet to send anything. So I'm like, we'll just wait another week or two and haven't got much rain. So uh, they haven't grown much, but uh, we'll start pulling them too. And then we will address the problem field by field if we have an issue. And a lot of this ties directly to next year. So we can say this year, we were really high in this and this and this early in the season. Let's make a change for next year. So we don't have these excessive levels or if we're short on this, let's add it next year, so we're not short on it. So it's kind of planning a year ahead as well. So these tests are 85 bucks a piece, but when you look at if we do a 80 acre, 40 acre field, $85, we do this a couple times, we have a few hundred dollars a field invested in it. If you start looking at fertility, savings on fertilizer or possible yield bumps, it pays for itself pretty quick. So yeah, between that and then I use Regen Labs for Haney soil test, and this just gives me an idea where my Tests are at, and you know, soybeans we put in a yield goal, and it kind of gives us a rough idea of what we need. Okay. So it gives us a baseline to go off.
0: I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Source by Sound Agriculture. Welcome to a better source of fertilizer. Source from Sound Agriculture unlocks more of the nutrients already in your fields so you can add less fertilizer while getting the yield you're counting on. By activating soil microbes, Source provides more of the existing nitrogen and phosphorus to your crops. It's such a solid backup plan, you'll probably find yourself wondering why Source wasn't the plan all along. Visit sound.ag to learn more. Now let's get back to the conversation. You said it's pretty affordable to make the compost extract. What does it come out to cost
1: you? So like, if, if I figure the compost and everything, we can make it on a per acre basis. So I'm going to figure in like my time and labor and water and electricity and everything. Yeah. We're probably around $4 an acre, $5 an acre okay. to make it. Um, you know, we're selling it for more than that. But that's made the guys just don't have to worry about it. They just come and grab yeah, it. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: But You know, when you look at it, you're getting so much more than just like a pop-up starter is going to have N, P, and K in it. My test came back on that, on my vermicompost. It was over 900 different species of fungi and bacteria in it. Wow. We had five different forms of trichoderma in it. It was a very strong growth regulator and growth promoter. And it's like, nobody's got that. Like You can't even buy a product on the market that's got that many different species of fungi, bacteria, and trichoderma in it. And don't get me wrong out of them 900 species not every single one of them was beneficial to the plant there's some non-beneficial ones in there but there's way more beneficial ones than non-beneficial ones so they keep them in check i picked up a lot of acres this year and i'm trying to basically do this by myself my dad helps me part-time um but kind of trying to do this by myself and It just gets to be so much i mean you're it's four o'clock in the morning you're out here making fertilizer for the day and you got customers calling to need fertilizer and then i've got a seed business so i sell cover crop seeds i got guys coming to get grass seed and i got a few thousand hogs i got a hog barn so it's like so we got livestock chores to do and shit. so it gets to be a lot trying to do all this and trying to learn you know I, i did not have a place to do a test trial this year with it but Like, my goal next year, I want to have, like, a 5 or 10-acre field, absolutely no commercial fertilizer. And I want to grow 250-bushel corn on it. Just with, like, compost extract, you know, adding a little bit of fish molasses, you know, and be able to do that on no-till ground. I think it can be done. It's going to take a lot more management. Mm -hmm. Like, we're going to have to do a couple foliar applications. Keep an eye on stuff. Like, I think it can be done, though. Yeah. So... I don't know. I see
0: why you and Lauren get along so well. Lauren is a
1: great guy. And and, uh, Lauren is, Lauren is, and Dale, who's here, have been the two that have influenced me the most, probably, in my life. And Kyle Schnell, who's like literally my age. Um, I started a drone application business five years ago doing drone spraying. Okay. And I went, that's how I met Lauren Steinloggy was I went up there and did a little bit of spraying of uh, fungicide and plant growth promoter on stuff. And I, I'm like, who the hell is this Lauren Steinlog? You never heard of the guy, you know? Went up there and at this time I was doing full tillage. That would've been six years ago, cause I've been no tilling for five. Went up there, seen Lauren's farm, like Lauren is a arms open guy, come on into my farm and I'll show you what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. And I like that about him because he's just a super cool guy and He's like, I ain't afraid to try anything. Like, we'll try stuff. Like, it's kind of fun, you know. And I went up, did some work for him, hopped on his side-by-side, you know, at the end of the day. And like, he just shows you around. Like, here's what we're doing. We're doing a little research here on this and that. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, this is so cool. And it was about that same time, I'm looking at across the fence over at my other farm. And Dale farms right next to me. We have fields that border each other. Dale's crops look better than mine Did I'm doing all this tillage. Busting my ass off, putting down fungicides, doing all this stuff. His crops look better than mine. And I'm like, all right. So I walk out in this field and I'm like, God, he's got residue out here. And I'm like, at this time, I just started learning stuff from Lauren. Sure. And Lauren's teaching me a few things of what he's doing and Dale's doing the same stuff right next to me. So I'm like, Dale, teach me what you're doing. Like, I want to do kind of what you're doing. So he's like, sure. Nobody ever asked me, you know. So we went out in this field and he's showing me stuff and I'm like, Yep, I'm like, we're changing everything over, like right now. Wow. So we started, we transitioned two fields the first year. The next year, we transitioned everything to no-till. We incorporated cover crops on some of the acres and then all the acres the next year. And then, so that was like step one. And then two years, fast forward two years from then, I quit doing drone spraying because I got out of spraying chemicals and my drone was getting old anyways. My cover crop seed business had just expanded, blew up. So I'm like, I like doing that better anyway. So we started selling more seed. So I quit doing drone spraying, but then I went to that field day and learned about soil biological. And I'm like, this is a game changer. So then we incorporated that into it. The last four years have just been like, like so much stuff and trying to learn it all is just, I don't want to say impossible, but it is a huge task. For sure. Because if you think like, Oh, compost extract, I've learned it all, this is the silver bullet. That is like the small tip of a huge iceberg, like what's in it, how much is in it? How much do I apply, when do I apply it? Okay, now you start throwing food sources in, let's feed the biology we just made. And it's like, it just keeps compounding. (laughs) It's like, I have learned so much. I've learned more about biology in the last two years, I've learned in my entire life. You know, most farmers look at their soil and they're like, we need fertilizer to go grow crops. I look at my soil and I tell I look at it and say, I need my biology to work to make the nutrients in my soil function properly to have a healthy plant. You know, I don't go to the co-op and be like, well, how much fertilizer did we take out? You know, we grew a crop, you know, how much fertilizer do I need to grow a crop next year? I pull soil samples, we build biology, we grow cover crops to recycle the nutrients we have. My biggest thing is, Let's get the biology healthy enough so we don't need fertilizer anymore. I would never tell anybody to quit using commercial fertilizer, but let's start backing ourselves off on it because we are throwing so much high salt and high chloride fertilizer out there. It is messing our biology up. And so, you know, we need to start getting it back into check. Mother Nature and the world, we come in as humans and think we can make it better. And so we're actually messing it up. So that's where I feel by adding a natural biological compost, you could call it worm poop, you know, by adding this back, hopefully we can help build that system back, you know, to where it used to be. I mean, I used to apply fungicides. I'll tell everybody I used to, I was heavy tillage. We did fall application tillage, uh, deep ripping. We put anhydrous on, we'd come back in the spring, we'd hit it with the field finisher at least once. I mean, we're running right there is three passes across the field, if not four. Before we even planted a crop, bought a lot of commercial fertilizer, and we have just slowly backed away from all of that. We've got rid of the, basically got rid of the tillage. We still do occasional like field finisher VT if we have a rough spot in a field or something gets washed out or we have to redo something or you know there, there's time and place for it. But other than that, we pretty much got rid of that. We quit using fungicides. Last year, we went away from insecticides. Uh, this year is our first year planting naked seed corn with no treatment on it at all.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're not afraid to experiment. Yeah. And to see how far you've come in like six years from doing full tillage to here, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah,
1: it was a lot of change. Not Like I said, I've had a lot of learning experiences. My relay crop last year was literally a break even. Oh. <laughs> like, we just didn't get the rain to fill the beans out. And so we ended up we made enough money off the cereal rye to not lose money, but it was still, I still call it a learning experience slash failure, but we grew enough cereal <laughs> rye to make money on the ground, but the beans are like less than 10 bushel per acre. We had an expensive mess up already this year. Our herbicide didn't work for our cover crop. It burnt the fields, thought they were all dead. And then 10 days later, it all started greening back up again. Oh. So we ended up having to go back and respray all of our beans. So it was a learning experience. I did everything as I was told that it should work. It didn't work. So then we came back, we, we sprayed it, and then he came in with a roller crimper. And the beans are all you know four inches tall or whatever. Sure. And we roller crimped the field flat. Well, tried to ro- roller That's crimp right. it flat. It does. It kind of stood back up. It's like 50%. I'd guess. say 50%. It's just so hard out there because it's so dry and everything. If you can get that crimper to sink in just a little bit, then it, yeah, it works better. Well, I'll show you my corn fields. That was three, four foot tall cover crop. Oh. I terminated it with chemical, like the le- the least amount of chemical I've ever used on corn. I did uh, 20, roughly 25 ounces of glyphosate and molasses, mm-hmm. smoked the field, came in with a roller crimper, laid it flat, planted corn right in it, just split the cover crop, had a nice, perfect, like yeah, ideal. What well, works best is so the roller camper, Yep. Spray it. And then wait a couple of days. We waited forty-eight hours, came in, rolled the field flat. We have this beautiful map protecting the soil. Didn't hardly use any herbicide. Like it worked awesome. I'm looking at this now and I'm like, I think next year that's what I want to do on everything. Corn and beans.
0: Thanks to Ryan Gibbs for the tour over the summer and for sharing your knowledge with us on the podcast. If you missed part one of this conversation, check it out at no-tillfarmer.com slash podcasts. You'll find a video of Brian making his compost extract there too. Many thanks to Sound Agriculture for helping to make this No-Till podcast series possible. From all of us here at No-Till Farmer, I'm Michaela Faulkner. Thanks for listening.